Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode 257. Today is Tuesday, June 27th, 2023. Today, Krista is going to be releasing a prophetic word. She has released it other places, but we are going to be going in depth. We're going to be diving deep into this prophetic word, you guys. Uh, it's going to be about America. It's going to be about the church. It's going to be about women. Where my ladies at? Um, so very exciting. Um, it's going to be a great time. Very excited. But before we get started, like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff wherever you guys are listening to this. If you guys are listening on Spotify and you're not yet following the Elijah Fire podcast, give us a follow. That'll really help us out. Thank you in advance. Also, um, want to play a quick update on the wells. Anytime you guys donate, you guys know the drill. You get the double whams. You support this ministry and you get to uh, get in on the water well effort. So I'm going to play a quick video and we are going to get this show moving. Every child deserves hope, an education, good health, a future. In Uganda, those things are stolen from children. One of those thieves is dirty water. In Uganda, some people only have access to muddied, filthy water. It is killing them. But you can help save the future generations. Give a gift towards the drilling of clean water wells. Donate today at ElijahStreams.com slash donate. Also, I'm going to be saying this all week. A reminder, Monday and Tuesday of next week, that's July 3rd and July 4th, there are going to be no Elijah Fire episodes because we're going to be celebrating freedom because that's what we do. So whole lot of fireworks, whole lot of sunshine. Um, it's going to be great. So I will be celebrating with everybody else by we're not going to be doing Elijah Fire. We're going to be celebrating with our loved ones, all that good stuff. So no shows on Monday, Tuesday, that's July 3rd and July 4th. All right. So my guest today, you guys know her, you love her. Some of you guys are like, who this? Uh, it's uh, Krista. Her name is Krista Elisha. She's a prophet, a minister, founder of Arise Kingdom Ministries. She's a podcast host. She's an entrepreneur, clothing designer. I mean, sky's the limit. What else? Lots of other things. Maybe she'll add spaceship builder to her repertoire robot builder um master baker iron chef uh you know let's just what else we got uh all kinds of other stuff so very excited about today i always love having her on she's a very good friend of mine i love her dearly dearly so let's give it up for our guest today krista elisha Krista, <laughs> it's so funny. Did you get like? I think you got a word of knowledge. I don't know. Maybe I have, dude. I have been working on. You want to be on Iron Chef? Is that what you want to do? No, not on Iron Chef. But you said Master Baker, which is hilarious, and mm. nobody knows except for a few people that I have been trying to start a sourdough starter for Ooh. like a month, and I failed. 
the first time. Oh. And then this last time, just today, I finally got the starter going. So when I'm done on here, I'm going to bake my first loaf of homemade sourdough bread. Mm. And I've never done it before. So I love sourdough bread. I gotta I, say. It's so good for you. And it's yeah. really good for people that have like gluten sensitivities and stuff. So uh-huh. Yeah. My and there's a like for those that are in the Salem Kaiser area, there's a there's a store called Roth's. It's like a local grocer and they have an exclusive sourdough that's from San Francisco. I think it's called like Mike's sourdough or something. If you are in the Salem Kaiser area, do yourself a favor and go buy some of that from Roth's guys. It's like um, it's like some of the best sourdough ever. So mm. sorry, that was a little segue. Just a quick plug. Well, uh, it's sourdough so is awesome. Because I actually got the um, the starter culture from San Francisco. So wow, yeah, well, it's kind of like their thing, isn't it? It's like I think it sourdough. is their thing. I think it's I think maybe New York has a thing with sourdough too, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I was like I I moved out here onto this farm and I'm doing the whole crunchy mom thing. Like I want chickens and. I've been researching cows and gardening and I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't trust the government. So I think I'm <laughs> going to start making more things homemade. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to try to make my own bread and we're going to see how that oh, works man. out. I, I, yeah. Now I want bread, like fresh baked bread. I had a friend in, um, in YWAM and he was really big into like baking and cooking and all this. He was really skilled in it. And he was making all these, he got really into making bread. And so our, the guy's house, cause all the guys live together, which normally it was like consisted of top ramen and macaroni and cheese and potatoes. Uh, suddenly it started smelling like fresh bread all the time. And he was like sharing it with all of us. It was amazing. So good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really blessed. My future son-in-law is, uh, he has a culinary degree. So he Ooh. comes over here and cooks for it. He always does that for like our birthdays, you know, like he makes fancy stuff for, for all of us. So, mm. and he's really good at it, but he does make a mess. So I always have to be prepared to clean my entire kitchen. Top yeah. To <laughs> it's kind of funny though, with that whole mess thing. Cause it's like, I feel like there are, um, you know, like recipes, uh, you see a recipe on Instagram or something. You're like, Ooh, I want, and there's like these memes of like what my, what my kitchen looks like after I try a recipe that I saw online or on social media. And it's like the whole kitchen is like a mess. mess it's yeah. true. It's, it's blown very, up. It's yeah. very true. But yeah. yeah, so I'm excited to do that. So I was just, I, I was cracking up backstage. Cause I'm like, I think Jeff just got a word of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm receiving it. I yeah, actually, yeah. I fed the starter ever to this morning. I actually had to split the starter up because okay. it wasn't, it's supposed to double in size and it was not doubling after like two weeks. I was like, huh. okay, I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. And then I felt like I was supposed to split it up and then I fed it again. Like one of the other ones. Do you again. feed it with sugar or? No, you, you feed it with, it with flour. So okay. you, you know, so I fed it with some flour and with some water. It's supposed to be like pancake batter consistency. And you know that it's ready to leaven an entire loaf of bread when it doubles in size. Wow. So um, I had to, I fed it this morning and I was like, I literally 
called David and I called my daughter and I said, please, well, I know this is a silly prayer request, but will you pray <laughs> and ask the Lord that uh, my sourdough starter will actually work? So, so with the pray. starter, is it just that you're, this is going to just the whole, this whole episode is going to be all about baking everybody. So just deal with it. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll find the parable in, in the conversation. No, I'm I've kidding. Got a good um, story about but that. is the, is the starter is, do you just keep it? does it last you forever or and then you just keep feeding it or yeah so it's like it's alive so you actually have to feed it like if you keep it on the counter you're supposed to feed it every day but once you use it if you're not going to use it again for a while then you put it in the fridge and then you have to feed it (laughs) once a week in the fridge because it kind of goes into hibernation or whatever Mm. it's Mm. a living thing that's what's Easy. So it's I'm like, like when people make kombucha too, they have like the, the mother and then yeah, the scoby thing. You know, yeah. Scoby or scoby or whatever you say it. I can um, never do that. I gag when I look at those. It's things. pretty, they're pretty nasty. They are pretty gross. Uh, it looks like some like alien creature. Um, yeah, but yeah, pretty gross. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into this prophetic word. I'm going to let you jump right in because I mean, there's a lot of stuff here and we could, I mean, realistically, you and I could probably spend a whole hour talking about any one of these. So yeah, that's so so you had a word on like, it says on um, June 23rd. So it was a couple Mm -hmm. of four days ago. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So go for it. So actually it's really interesting before we hopped on today i was praying and the lord reminded me of uh like an encounter that i had a prophetic word that he gave me like last year it was it was a couple months before the last time i saw you the last time i was in oregon you remember i was telling you and lauren about it and uh donald trump was in it and there was a big earthquake and this huge divide happened across the nation yeah i'm trying to remember was it, were we at Red Robin? Was it then? Yes. Or, okay. No, we were in the car. You were dropping me off at the hotel. After the- Red Robin, though. It was yes. the same day. Yeah. And I was telling you about it. And I like had just not felt like it was time to release that word yeah, okay, yeah, because yeah. I didn't have enough revelation on it. Yeah. And so I've just been kind of holding on to that one and haven't released it. But then before mm-hmm. we got on here, the Lord reminded me of it. And so I can kind of just give a quick overview because I feel like that is where we're at. Like the Lord actually showed me that and he was showing me what was coming in the country and what was going to need to take place in order for our country to heal. And um, I just didn't have enough revelation on it, but I do now. So anyway, um, I saw this huge earthquake happen and uh, I heard the Lord say, prepare for the great divide. And this earthquake literally shook the entire nation and it caused this huge chasm to like form right across the country. And then I saw Donald Trump, who, um, as I was praying into this, I believe the Lord was showing me that Donald Trump represented the, um, the Patriot intercessors, um, that they were the ones that were standing in the gap for our nation specifically. And so I see Donald Trump, who is really a a patriot intercessor, Mm -hmm. and he's holding a uh, folded American flag 
the Hebrides revive, uh, Revival Bible and a pulpit cross. If you know what those are, they were like the small wooden uh, crosses that a lot of times like pastors, preachers, and ministers would like hold up while they were preaching mm -hmm. um, during the first great awakening. And he took that and he actually buried it into the side of this great divide, this great chasm. And he began to pray in humility and he began to repent for the sins of our nation, specifically for the sin of division, um, not just in the body of Christ, but over, over the entire country. And he his tears began to water the Bible, the flag, and that pulpit cross like they were seeds. And all of a sudden there was another great shaking. And I saw that this pulpit cross actually sprouted up out of the ground and it turned into a giant tree of life. And the tree of life went up and it actually formed a bridge over the chasm. And I saw um, the roots begin to pull the chasm closed. Hmm. Uh, then the Lord began to sp speak to me just today. He began to speak to me about how, you know, the Hebrides revival was started by two little old ladies mm -hmm. in their eighties. They had heard that there were no young people showing up to the church services in in their city and they became greatly burdened for the lost and for the young people. And so they agreed to get together and pray just twice a week for the youth to come to know the Lord. And, you know, if you don't know about the Hebrides revival, go and look it up. Um, but a, a fantastic move of God happened there, totally changed the entire region. Thousands of people got saved. The entire world was affected out of that move of God. Mm -hmm. And it was all just because two little ladies became burdened. And although they were sick and infirmed, one was blind. The other one could hardly hear. Um, and all they had to offer was their prayers. They made a sacrifice to get together twice a week and just pray. And God brought an amazing move of his spirit out of that. And um, I believe that that is the season that we're in right now. And it, it correlates with this word is that we're in this season of, you know, as the patriot intercessors, the patriot believers and followers of Christ in our nation, if we will go before the Lord and we will come together, we'll humble ourselves and we will pray for the part that we have taken in this great divide in our nation, then a tree of life is going to come out of it. And it is actually going to begin to close the gap and heal the division in our country. Mm. And so the rest of that vision, um, the tree of life sprouted and, and all this fruit began to, to form on it. And the, the, the tree and the branches overshadowed the entire nation and people from all different kinds of walks of life, not just believers, but all walks of life began to come and take the fruit and eat the fruit off of this tree. And then I watched as um, 
there was a shaking. It happened in Washington, D.C., and there were old career politicians that were compromised, were um, they were shaken out of their seats and they fell into this chasm. OK, That's and it. so they just they fell. And then I watched as two new young, like millennial aged um, young politicians, they were from both sides of the aisle. They actually rose up and they walked across the bridge that this tree of life made and they shook hands in the middle. Mm -hmm. And that was when this golden rain began to fall over the entire nation. And it not only did um, the, was the tree of life there, but then the two rivers began to run across our nation and it looked like golden rivers mm -hmm. and people began to drink of the, the water, which is the river of life. And that is for salvation. And so the Lord told me that as we gather together in unity and we pray and we humble ourselves and, and seek him above all that, that that's going to be what is going to happen um it's going to be this golden reviving rain and a teaching uh, a message of teaching that's going to go forth that's actually going to purify the land and heal the people and bring many into the kingdom nice um so that's actually this is the first time i've ever shared that particular yeah that's pretty substantial so really quick um before you move on to the the next phase of this there was something that you said that i want to draw attention to because i think it's worth expanding on and that is you said as people from um as people i can't remember exactly how you referenced it but you basically acknowledged even people within the church or on both sides of the aisle, but let's use the right, for example. There's going to be a lot of conservative people watching this, obviously, but what did you see as things to repent of? Because I think it's worth drawing attention to those things. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So repenting for um, maybe an example would be better something that the Lord showed me was repenting for choosing to, to hate or resent or be bitter towards people who have different ideologies or belief systems than they we were. do. Yeah. Um, so that was a big one. And he said, it's time for America to find common ground common ground. And when I was asking him what he meant by that and what exactly, you know, is common ground, like what, for example, I am very obviously a charismatic believer. What common ground do I have with, um, say a Catholic? Well, I am extremely pro-life and it turns out that now I didn't know this, until I got involved in the pro-life movement, but Catholics are extremely pro-life and almost every pro-life event that I go to, it's nothing but Catholics. Mm -hmm. They don't pray like me. They don't preach like me. We, there's, there's very, there's wide doctrinal gaps, right? But the one thing that we have in common that we can join forces on 
is that every that that life begins at conception and that mm -hmm. life is God ordained and it has every life has a purpose and a destiny and has a right to exist. Um, and so that's my common ground. And we have Jesus, you know, right. Um, but just, you venture into this common ground thing. Okay. The perceived common ground. You usually, re you usually realize that you have a lot more in common than you thought. Uh, yeah, exactly. So here's the other thing. So then God challenged me. He took me a little bit deeper and he brought up a, um, an LGBTQ community, like a uh, union, let's say they're a group, they're an activist group. Uh -huh. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't really know what I have in common with them. Like I, you know, they're not Christian. They're not, you know, there, it doesn't look like we have anything in common. And then I actually, a video came up of an interview with one of the um, CEOs of this organization. And one of their main things that they are battling and speaking out against right now is the grooming of children. And they are supporting conservative uh, politicians in an effort to block uh, LGBTQ um, indoctrinization in mm. schools and elementaries. Is that because gays against groomers? There you go. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm against that too. So I can, I guess God, yeah. I mean, that's uncomfortable, right? But then he started speaking to me and he said, Krista, if my church would find common ground with their fellow man, it would open up a door of discipleship where they can actually teach these heathen nations who I truly am and teach them that I am the epitome of truth, that I am the love that they think they're going to find in these other areas, that I am salvation, I am satisfaction, right? And I'm like, wow. And, or I am justice, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, God, that's so true because love is what opens up the door for correction. That's what the apostle Paul said. He said, love opens the door for correction for us to correct others. Yeah. And so if Jesus gave us this commission to go and make disciples of the nations, disciples means make them students right? And then he said, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them how to follow all of the commands that I gave you. This is about the body of Christ um, engaging areas of ignorance and gentle humility and in love, finding common ground that we can all agree on and we can all stand on and partnering and then using that as an opportunity to teach those who um are are actually in error or who don't know jesus is who he actually is yeah. 
Um, and maybe even for us to learn some things, right? Yeah, that's inevitable. That's right. inevitable when you're venturing into something like that. It, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know? but the, and I think, yeah. No, and it's true. And, um, you know, I think that that, I mean, that's what has to happen in our nation. You know, the Lord, he spoke to me and he said, united, you shall stand divided. You will fall. And I think that that has been the huge assignment of Satan in the last few years is to separate the church, not only from its each other, because you see these very well-known voices right now that are, um, engaging in awful slander and accusation and they're actually they they don't even realize they're so blinded by the fact that their ego and their prejudice and their opinions about these other leaders in the body of Christ they're actually blocking the salvation of souls and um unreached people groups right now because of of what they're doing hmm. um and I'm not going to name names, but it's it's all over charisma right now. And it's very sad that you're seeing this. Um, you know, scripture is pretty clear that nobody can confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and have the fruit of Christ's character in their life and not truly be saved or be of his fold. And um we have to be very careful about passing judgments or trying to uh, creating division and hindering the work of the gospel going forth and salvations coming in the advancement of the kingdom uh, because we don't agree with one person's revelation, or we don't agree with one person's doctrine or theology. You know, Jesus is perfect theology and he is perfect doctrine. And if we have Jesus at the center and he's the one that we're focused on, um, and we love him enough to lay down our own pride and our own ego, <laughs> then that's enough. And that is what's going to heal our nation. And, and that's, what's going to bring in this end time move of God. And, and I believe that it's going to start with us choosing unity and, and coming together in prayer, like making a sacrifice to meet together in prayer. God has been really speaking to me about the Moravians. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with who the Moravians are. Yeah. And they were, they were like, like the OG. Why they were, yeah, they were hardcore. And, uh, they they like they would pack their stuff in their their coffins when they would go places and i think they would they're famous for saying something like may the may the lamb receive his just ward for his sufferings or something like that and they would basically like they would pack their things in their coffin knowing they were going where they were going to die yes Pretty hard yeah. i get the holy ghost bumps when yes. i hear it um Pretty yeah may the May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his yeah. sufferings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And um, their their motto for their church was, um, the lamb has conquered, let us follow him. Mm. And they laid down everything. Uh, one of the big things about the Moravians was their unity. 
they actually, in the early day of the Moravian Fellowship, you know, the Moravians were what refugees. Um, this count, young count in Germany uh, named Zinzendorf, who was compelled to be of service to the poor, reached out to these refugees and ended up converting them. He had a real heart for uh, missions and uh, for heart communion with the Lord. And uh, it was all about a love relationship and, and family. And so he brought in these refugees and a lot of them had came from different places, different belief systems. And uh, there was a lot of division among the Moravians in the beginning. And after, you know, their fellowship prayed, they realized they were all convicted by the Lord that that was not the way that they ought to behave after reading John 17, where Jesus prays before he goes to the cross that those that would come after um, the first disciples, that they would be one as he is one with the father and that they would experience union, not only with Jesus and the father and Holy spirit, but with one another and that the world would know that Jesus is who he says he is and that they belong to him because of their unity. Right. And so after reading that, they were extremely convicted. And so they actually wrote a, uh, a pact or an agreement um, about unity and they chose to to keep Jesus the main thing and actually what came out of that was that they didn't even believe that they needed to propagate their own uh, denomination in fact they didn't feel like they had to convert believers or convert people out of other churches or other um, denominations because they believed that salvation, was about the the heart posture between the believer or the follower of Jesus and the Savior. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. And that was it. That was enough for them. And so it actually they were very radical in that. And, and they actually helped start a lot of denominations and chose not to have their name attached to it at all because they didn't desire to have a name. They desired for the lamb to have his name be known in all, in all the ends of the earth. So they actually gathered and they decided it was actually a, a seven day uh, gathering leading up to Pentecost that they were going to gather together and they were going to intentionally pray, whether it was, you know, uh, two or three people covering one hour prayer watches for 24 hours. And they did that leading up to Pentecost. And on the last day of the seventh day, which would be Pentecost, they were going to have a giant love feast and to celebrate. And what ended up happening was on that seventh day, when everybody gathered together, there was a massive move of the Holy Spirit, similar to what happened at the Hebrides revival. And um, everybody ended up on their face on the floor after taking communion. Hmm. And uh, they ended up, it, it launched a 20, a 110 year, 24 seven prayer movement. Um, and it also launched an international missions movement. So John Wesley was impacted and converted out of the Moravian fellowship on a ship coming over here. Um, 
he ended up giving it, you can look that story up. I don't have time to go into all the church history stuff, but I'm a revivalist and I love revival history. So, mm-hmm. but long story short, um, they got here and I found all of this out because God has really given me a burden for my own state, Ohio. And so I've been researching the roots of, of my state here. And I found out that Ohio is one of very few states in our entire country that was actually founded on a covenant with God. And we were the first settlement here in Ohio was called Shunbrun. And it's actually out of the county that I'm ordained through, which is nuts to me. Um, And it was a Moravian settlement built to be a missions post to the natives. And so when I found that out, I'm like, my mind was blown because I'm, I'm feel called to the first, to be a missionary to the first nations people too. And I'm like, what in the world? This is crazy. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So, and then I find out that the pro-life movement was birthed in Cincinnati. I find out that, um, which is uh, you live near there. Yes. Like right near Mm -hmm. there is where pro-life movement was born and that, um, uh, what was his name? He's, he's actually buried here in Ohio. He led the second great awakening. Help me Lord. I've got hundreds of years of revival history streaming through my brain. Uh, does anybody know? Finney. Finney. Thank you. Right. So Finney. He worked with this man named Father Nash and Father Nash knew that prayer was essential for revival. It was essential. And so Father Nash would go into regions before Finney went in to preach. And essentially he would hunker down for like a week, a month. He would unify some people in the churches that were already there and they would just do nothing but pray to shift the atmosphere over a region. Um, And he didn't care what church they came out of, what denomination they were from. He didn't even care if they had a church, as long as they were believers in Jesus. Some of them, he even would convert one prayer partner in the region. And then he would hunker down with that one person and he would pray. And then Charles Finney would come in and he would preach the gospel and thousands would give their lives to Jesus on the hillsides. And so I really feel like if we, okay, so if we go to the book of Acts, right, chapter one, everybody focuses, I mean, me too, I focus on like the book of Acts chapter two (laughs) and the book of Acts chapter four are like the two chapters that like everybody references because two is where the church was essentially born through the outpouring of the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. Right. And four is where the church experienced persecution. And then they prayed that the Holy spirit would come and fill them again, that they could be even more bold or they could preach the message with even more boldness. And then the earth shook and all this stuff and, and the Holy spirit came again and they were filled with even more boldness. But if you look at chapter one, there's this crazy 
story there about how essentially the believers gathered together in the upper room. Jesus instructed them to go to Jerusalem and to wait until the gift of the Holy Spirit came to empower them. And he said, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So first in your city and then the surrounding cities and then in all the nations of the world. That's right. Right. So they gathered together and we tend to think for whatever reason that it wasn't until the Holy Spirit was poured out in chapter two and we see in Acts 2.42, that the believers had everything in common and they broke bread together and they ate and many signs and wonders and they dedicated themselves to prayer and to fasting and to the apostles teaching and many were added to their numbers, right? Like that, like the spirit of unity didn't come until the Holy Spirit was poured out, but that's not true. They were already unified in the upper room in chapter one sharing everything in common. And it says, and they were in one yeah. accord. They had one mind, one focus, one passion. And that was no matter where they came from. And they were different people. You know, Matthew was, he was a tax collector. And then you've got fishermen, you've got women that, you know, I mean, like they, they were mm -hmm. from all these different walks of life. And a lot of them argued and were petty even when Jesus was with them, right? They laid all of that aside. They gathered together and they chose to focus on Jesus and to believe his promise that the Holy Spirit was going to come and that they were going to receive a gift. And you see this cool exchange where like they don't even have the Holy Spirit yet. So they can't hear God, right? They can't really prophesy because the Holy Spirit's not with them yet. And they do this thing where they, they're like, well, we have to replace Judas, this apostle that we lost. We've got to replace him. So they get together, they pray, and they cast lots. And so it's like, there could have been a lot of arguing that could have happened in that, a lot of difference of opinion between the two men that they were trying to choose from. Instead, you see this humility happening between them. And, you know, it's in like, you can't make oil without crushing an olive. Right. Right. And it's that crushing of that flesh where we choose to go to the low place that an oil is released. Right. And you can't light a lamp if it doesn't have any oil in it. And so I say all of that because all of that is really a precursor to this word and to really like having this word go deep inside of our hearts. Jesus, it's, it's so interesting if you look at, so, okay, Psalm 133. Let's go back to this oil of unity thing. So Psalm 133 is, it says, um, how good and lovely it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It is like the fragrant anointing oil that is poured out on the head of Aaron that drips down his beard and onto his robes, right? Mm -hmm. That, or it's like the dew of Hermon, like the fragrant anointing oil on the head of Aaron drips down. So they're talking about Mount Hermon there. Now you see 
Jesus at the base of Mount Hermon in the New Testament, except we see it listed as this area called Caesarea Philippi. Okay, so any of you that's been to Israel, Caesarea Philippi at the base of Mount Hermon is this huge artesian spring, this big, deep water well. And there is a portico there that was used for idol worship. And it was known as the gates of hell. This big opening in the, you know, in the water, in the earth there, uh, the ancient people believed that that was actually an opening to the underworld and that water was a portal between the spirit realm and the natural realm. It's one of the reasons why water baptism is not just a prophetic picture or metaphor of an internal reality, but it is actually a real reality of a new birth in the spirit taking place when, when we go through water baptism. Um, that's a whole nother teaching I could go down, but here we see Jesus taking the disciples into Caesarea Philippi, taking them to that portico that's called the gates of hell, where David and Jesus is known as the son of David. He was, he came through the lineage of King David, right? So David, King David was prophesying about Jesus, who was going to come through his line and how he was going to gather the brethren there and make a, a statement to all of the spiritual powers that be that he was the son of the living God. And Peter was the one who said it. Jesus said, who, who do you say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And Peter said there in Caesarea Philippi, he said, well, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God, <laughs> right? And Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter, because, you know, your own spirit and man didn't reveal this to you, but the spirit of God revealed this to you. He said, and I call you Peter little rock because he was saying my church or my governing force, my ecclesia, my tabernacle is going to be built of living stones, which are going to be people, right? Mm -hmm. And on this rock, meaning this truth, this foundational truth that I am the anointed one, I'm the Christ. I am going to build, I'm going to bring you all together. I'm going to build you up in your faith. And you are going to be a governing force that all of the powers and all of the gates of hell cannot stand against. But it's, it's only when we are a house unified, living stones gathered together, connected to, to make a, for, a fortress, a fortified city, right? The new Jerusalem. It's, it's, it's a beautiful picture, but it's Jesus was the anointed one. He is the oil and us as believers, he has to be the unifying force between us. And we have to choose him and when we choose him and we go low, we become anointed with that same oil that then God has something to release his fire on. But it is a choice that we have to make in our flesh and in our own hearts and our own minds first. And so this is, this is where we're at right now, guys. We have to make a choice to be unified and, and to put away petty disputes and to sacrifice our egos um 
on the altar so that he can send his fire so that we can be a city on a hill that's shining that all the nations can stream to. And so, um, it was just the other day. So that's kind of been where I've been at with the Lord and I've just been waiting for him to give me more revelation or like, I really wasn't expecting a prophetic word out of this. It was just going to be like a message, Mm -hmm. like, you know, but he, he spoke to me as I was just pressing in for more on this. And he said, Krista, there's a John 17 call for unity being released from my throne room that will begin to pull and rally leaders across my body. As my leaders humbly gather in one accord, in communion, laying aside self-promotion and denominational differences, I will again command my blessing over your nation. Then I will release the anointing which breaks the yoke, and it will flow down with dynamic power into all the land. It will be a healing balm to redeem and restore the broken foundations of truth and justice all across the nation. The blood of Jesus poured out is the precursor to the anointing of unity. And it is on that oil that I will send my fire and remember that your nation was created to be a beacon of hope in a city on a hill shining for all nations to see. And in that, going back to Psalm 133, it says, and that where there is unity, God commands the blessing. Mm. God will command the blessing where there is unity. Yeah. Something that I want to point out. I just really felt this strongly while you're reading that um, the word of the Lord is how God is encouraging us to put aside differences. Okay. That means there's going to be a whole lot of low hanging fruit to try and grab a hold of in terms of offense, irritation, bitterness. There's a, there's going to be a lot because Satan is more aware of what happens when believers come together than even believers are a lot of times, which is annoying. Um, so as a result, he's like, if the more we can, the more people we can get distracted, uh, the better. Um, so be vigilant. All right. It's going to take some, it may take some effort. It'll be easy in some places. We all have like our top couple of people that were like, dude, this be unified, dude. And it's like, you're already unified. You know, <laughs> it's like, that's yeah. easy. Where it becomes difficult is those people that grind your gears and we all have those people. So. Yeah. And also just the enemy, like working overtime in our mind hmm. and in our emotions, you know, oh, big time. Yeah. Um, It's one of the things, you know, in, in our community here, we talk about a lot, you know, when we experience or we are feeling the enemy lie, any thought that doesn't create hope, life and a future or connection, right? Any thought that we're having that does not speak into the original intended purpose of a person, right? Mm -hmm. Then that is from the enemy. That's not from God, right? Anything that we are thinking or we're feeling that makes us want to puff up in self-defense or puff up in our need to be right, (laughs) you know, um, or 
whatever it is, puff up in our ego or anything that causes us uh, to be suspicious and want to separate um, in an ungodly way. Because, I mean, there are times where God will separate people. Um, but when God brings the separation, there is still an honor there. And it just because two people may part ways doesn't mean that they're not unified. It just means that they have to go down different paths, right? And it feels different. There is an honor that takes place in that, right? Like even with people that... um I have struggled with that I know have a lot of believe a lot of lies about me. Let's put it that way. They've received and they've held on to a lot of lies about me or even about how I may think or feel about them. Those things aren't true at all because I know that I'm one in Christ. We're all family. His spirit has invaded me, mm -hmm. right? Like, I am one with his spirit. And if his spirit is one with them, then I have a choice to either be at war with myself, right? Because <laughs> we're one. Or I can choose to love that person, pray for that person, believe the best about that person, um, guard that person's integrity. You know what I mean? Like, and notice when I'm saying this, I'm not even like, I'm not mentioning names. I'm not mentioning, I'm not even mentioning genders, right? Because I'm covering them mm -hmm. with love. And whether or not they'd ever change their mind about me, my heart is open to them. My heart is saying, hey, if you win, I win. So I'm going to cheer you on and I'm going to be behind the scenes and I'm going to intercede for you to be everything that Jesus died for you to be, because if you succeed in this thing, then I exceed, I succeed because mm -hmm. we're all going there together. Right. And that's how the Israelites did it. When they were in the wilderness, they all went together, except for the ones God had to, had to purge the ones that were defiled by unbelief and, and idolatry. And then even when they crossed into the pr promised land, they all went together as one community, as one body. And, and that's where we have to be because I mean, guys, when Jesus comes and the new Jerusalem is here, right? Like the, the latter rain kingdom, I really doubt that we're all going to be having theological debates on whether or not, you know, the baptism and the works of the Holy spirit are for today. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Baptist congregation or whether or not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. th like those things are not going to be arguments because Jesus is going to be in our midst and he is perfect theology and perfect doctrine. And you can't look at the humble lamb and, and be egocentric and be able to stand in his presence. That's what Lucifer did. And that's why Lucifer was cast out. Yeah. Because pride becomes before a, a fall. Yeah. You yeah. know, when I, I, there's nothing, that, man, I hate theological disagreements to the point where it turns into like a spit fight. I absolutely hate it 
Because it's at that point, what you're doing is you're taking something that was meant to set you free and turning it into an idol because you're allowing the thing that's actually meant to set you free. God's word is meant to set us free. The gospel is meant to set us free and you're turning it into an idol that you're allowing to weaponize against one another to prove your point. And it's absolutely disgusting. And, and so, yeah, anytime I hear about, I I mean, like, there's no, I've never encountered a theological discussion outside of salvation issues. Those are very important. Those are things we need to make sure that we're on board with, but man, I long for unity within the body of Christ. I know there's so many other people that feel the same way Um, because it's like, yeah, let's just like, I agree with you. When, when the latter rain has come, we're not going to be sitting there talking about like, how big really was the ark? And no, I'm willing to go to war over this with my Christian brothers. You know, like, you know we're not even, even there, we're not even going to argue who, over, who, oh, we're not even going to argue over who was, who was a true and a false prophet. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be an argument that there's not going to be brothers and sisters in Christ pointing fingers at each other in accusation mm-hmm. um, or, whatever you know even like even paul when paul was being asked why he didn't do anything about the the super apostles or the fake apostles or whatever um or ones that were in competition with him he said if they're preaching the gospel bingo and they're winning souls then they're on my side that's what the apostle paul said right And so that is really where we need to get guys. And I, and I feel like it has to start with, with people, you know, God gave me this uh, mobilization model. It's called heart. And he said, the first thing it heart is an acronym, but the H stands for hubs and it has to do with hubs of prayer and worship. And he said, if, if America wants my heart for their nation, then this is what they're going to need to do to get into alignment. And the first thing is to establish hubs of prayer. And so I have been uh, promoting ministries like um, Her Voice Movement in, in Oregon and other movements that are establishing like hubs of prayer uh, because we need to start gathering and praying for people, praying for the unity of the brethren, praying for revival and, 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 and being intentional. I mean, if, if two little 85 year old ladies gathered together twice a week in Hebrides and were burdened to pray for the young people and that crazy revival broke out, how much, I mean, won't God do it again in, mm-hmm. in our in our age and in, in our cities and in our states and our nation, like, of course he will. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, okay. So in regards to things causing division, being pro unity, which is what heaven is about. Hello. Um, go read John chapter one, or John, I'm sorry, John chapter 17. That is, uh, that's Jesus's heart's cry which means that's heaven's heart's cry is that we would be one just as he and the father are one. Um, but um, let's talk about women. 
let's talk about women in leadership, people, uh, women arising, being used by God. Um, you have a really great word about that specifically. Um, and actually, it's kind of coupled with, um, the, I don't know if you have the notes I have, but points four and six, it's like the muzzle being broken off of women. So like Matthew 28, but then also uh, a new era is being poured out specifically with with, with women. I like yeah. this topic a lot. It's an offensive topic. Ask yourself why. Okay, people, ask yourself why. Yeah, I mean, your flesh? is that what it's doing? Anyways, there's it, a lot I could say about it, but I'll let you talk. It is. It's challenging. And um, so while I, after God gave me that, I was literally like typing that out so that I wouldn't forget it. And I literally felt my bones start to rattle. Like I felt this rattling and this shaking and like a travail building in my gut. And if you don't know what travail is, that's a, it's an intercession that is almost, it's like a groaning or it's a guttural cry, like a birthing. And, um, I, I started to hear the thunder of millions of mothers and daughters crying out from coast to coast, all in unison people get ready. Jesus is coming. Um, and I could see God almighty coming as the cloud rider with whirlwinds in his wake, releasing lightnings from his throne to strike down principalities and demonic ideologies in Washington, DC. I saw an underground movement of righteousness rising out of the nation's capital. And, um, I, I wrote the kingdom of God will be as yeast permeating and invading all branches of government, starting from the bottom up. There will be no escape from the impact, which is so funny because we started this talking about yeast, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and our leavened sourdough bread, it's, it's something that in a starter you have to, this is something that is going to be self-started, right? Self-started by us choosing to gather together in prayer um, and to lay down our differences and our pride. And as we do that, the kingdom of God, just like Jesus said, the kingdom is like a little yeast put into dough that it will eventually permeate and leaven the whole batch. And I, I believe that this move of God is actually um, a counterstrike against the, the, the yeast of the Pharisees or the yeast of the religious spirit in this hour that has been causing division in the body of Christ, that it, it's going to completely supersede that because nobody is going to be able to escape the impact. That's what it says. And then um, I saw brothers and sisters repenting for competition and pettiness, holding hands, creating a bridge to heal the great divide. Uh, the tears of repentance, watering and awakening the dormant seed of prayers prayed by the saints of ages past, commanding a harvest of God's covenant promises over our nation to birth forth, forth now. And then I saw the Matthew 28 women running through the streets and fields to go tell their fathers, husbands, brothers, and sons that they have seen that the grave is empty and Jesus is alive. So in Matthew 28, the Marys went to go look for Jesus, the one that they loved, right? Because women are nurturers, we're caregivers. So they're going to care for Jesus's body, right? They're going to care for his grave. 
um, out of the abundance of their love. And they get there and the stone is rolled away. And, you know, we know Jesus appears to the Marys and, and an angel or an angel does in another account. And he says, why are you standing here? Go and tell your brothers that I'm alive. Right. And so the Matthew 28 women are the women who have had an encounter with the living Christ and have been given a commission to go and tell others that Jesus is alive. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. So then it says the lamb is now the lion. This is part of their message. These women, the lamb is now the lion and the lion will roar through the voices of his daughters. So the spirit of fear and timidity is being judged and its muzzle is being broke off the women of America. A holy boldness will take its place and the voice of freedom, truth, and justice will no longer be relegated, muffled, or suppressed by liberal algorithms. It will be seen and heard on every platform. They will not be able to hide what is coming. The ambush the enemy planned for the children of this generation will be thwarted as the women watchmen keep their precious oil lamps full and burning on their watchtowers. So I saw that this, that the women, uh, the Matthew 28 women receiving their voice, one of the things that I have experienced at so many women's meetings is there is this assign, this Jezebel spirit that comes to silence the women or to make us feel like we don't have a voice or that our voice doesn't matter. And, um, that is a lie from the pit of hell. And I see this movement happening in women where every woman receives this like fire shut up in their bones, where they know that they know that their voice is important, that it carries authority, that they have weight in the spirit realm, and that the only reason that the enemy is trying to convince them that they don't have a voice is because the enemy is terrified of it. And as they proclaim this message, and, and, and tell people, come and see that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. There is going to be this Paul Revere anointing that is going to be released. And, um, you know, Paul Revere, we all know the story of his midnight run where he went and he warned the villagers of, you know, the redcoats were coming or the enemy was coming. There was an enemy invasion that was coming. But this anointing is going to... Uh, to come, the watchmen are going to cry out. So the watchmen, I always view their prophetic intercessors oftentimes, um, are going to cry out in the remnant. So the ones who hear the message from the watchmen, the prophetic intercessors like Cindy Jacobs, um, uh, Dutch Sheets, you know, a lot of these guys in, in the prayer movement, even myself, I consider myself a, a watchman. The remnant will run with the message and the message is going to be repent and prepare the way of the Lord. The man whose red blood was shed for the destruction of sin so that he might receive the reward of his sufferings. Now, I believe that there, the, the next 
move and, and the revival that we're going to see, it is going to come through the revelation of the preaching of the blood of Jesus and the testimony of what the blood of Jesus has done for us personally. We have, um, we have stepped away from that. And I, and I believe that that is going to become preeminent is going to be communion and the blood of Jesus that has destroyed sin and death. Right. And, and a cry for repentance, turn away from your sin, turn back to God, receive what he's done for you, receive forgiveness for your sin and prepare your heart, right? Make clean your heart. So their warning will ring through the streets and the spirit of the fear of the Lord will permeate the atmosphere over capital cities, followed by signs and wonders never seen before leading multitudes to salvation. I actually saw Jeff, and this is really challenging for me, but I thank God that he gives me visions so that it increases my faith. But I actually saw people who had been through life-changing surgeries. You catch my drift? Transition surgeries. Yes. Yeah. Um, Life-changing. just say it. (laughs) Yeah, just say it. I mean, I'm trying not to get you kicked off of YouTube or whatever, oh, but, fine. but, uh, <laughs> Jeffy's like, Oh, it's fine. He's yeah. hardcore. So, but, um, I, I see those being reversed. I see the damage from hormone therapy being reversed. I see people that, um, are coming and they're getting healed from, um, jab injuries. I see, uh, like radical creative miracles happening. The other thing that I see is mass deliverance breaking out, like mass deliverance breaking out and it coming through the message of the blood, the, the, the call to repent and the message of God's love and acceptance to all. And as that happens, I see like thousands of people like getting set free from from deep demonic oppression um, and then giving their lives to Jesus and, and even people seeing demonic manifestations and seeing deliverance take place that are in the religious camp, um, realizing that it's real, like, Oh wow. Like the Holy spirit is real. You can't make this up. I've actually, this is, I've heard of this happening with a friend of ours from uh, the nation's glory barn, which we're having our next summit there in August, but that this is going to be a huge thing to actually cause the religious camp and the, um, the, the, the camp that does not believe in the works of the Holy spirit for today causing them to repent and to mm. believe and receive the Holy spirit again. Okay. Um, the big thing that I also saw was that we're like at a major threshold right now. Um, God kept highlighting these critical moments in, in stories like biblical stories, like, um, the Esters are standing on the threshold of the King courts, meaning they've already been prepared. They've already been anointed, you know, and they're standing there at the end of their fast prepared to walk into the courts um, at that life or death moment, not knowing whether or not they're going to live or die, you know, 
um, the Debras are standing on the battlefields next to Barak, right? The Ruths are um, preparing themselves to go and lay themselves at Boaz's feet. And I saw that, uh, you know, angels commissioning angels like Gabriel are being deployed to commission the Marys to birth another Jesus people movement. I really feel that, um, you know, because God loves to use the outcast. He loves Mm -hmm. to use the underdog, man. Like that's one of my favorite things about God. Like he uses the ones that nobody else, like, or especially the religious mind can't comprehend using. Right. So like the last Jesus people movement, it's like they try to keep this secret or they try to defame Lonnie Frisbee because he struggled with homosexuality, man. Mm-hmm. But God used an offensive vessel to move through. Yeah. Because God uses the humble things or the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So this huge thing in, in the body of Christ for years has been women can't preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. Women can't move in power. And so God loves to move through women. He did it with Catherine Kuhlman. He did it with Amy Simple McPherson. He did it through Mary Magdalene. He did it through Mary, the mother of Jesus. He did it through Maria Woodworth Etter. And he's going to release that mantle on lots of women, reformers and revivalists in this hour. And not to say that men aren't going to be raised Mm -hmm. at like you know, be doing the thing too, but that that is really going to be the hallmark of this move of God. It's going to be the outcast women that, um, you know, I, I, I say this with joy, like myself, the ones covered in piercings and tattoos, the ones that, uh, you know, have, have a crazy track record, you know, the ones that came, I came out of the LGBTQ community, um, and, went through addictions and all this stuff, like it's going to be the ones like us that the world would have never thought, or that the religious sector would have never thought could be used by God, Mm -hmm. um, that God is going to use in this hour. And I even believe that, that some of the ones that God is going to use are going to be, uh, women that have gone through transgender surgeries and things. Um, I I believe that it is going to be, I I keep seeing this move of God coming. I'm seeing even it it even now we're like, you know, Paul, he was sanctified, um, unto God. Like he, he didn't take on a spouse. He devoted his whole life to the Lord. And, and I see this massive move coming through the LGBTQ community and specifically people who have been absolutely mutilated by, uh, these surgeries. Mm -hmm. Right. And I see them having such radical um, encounters with the Lord where they detransition and they receive their real identity in Christ, but they essentially become eunuchs unto the Lord. And they, they sanctify their whole lives unto God and choose, choose him and, and give up everything else. And, and I see that that is going to be a hallmark. And, and some of these people man, the church really just needs to get ready because they're going to be like world shakers. Um, and we need to get ready. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So, well, and the thing that I, you know, say a lot on this show guys is how Satan operates in counterfeits and, you know, to give credit to this word, we've had several words of 
And I believe it's kind of present been presented in multiple stages of women rising up. I, I've been hearing it over definitely over the last five years that I've been here at the Elijah List, but it has been in stages. And um, you know, if we look at counterfeits, what's the counterfeit to something like God raising up women? Well, I would look at like what is it? What what wave of feminism are we on right now? Fifth wave, whatever, fourth, fifth wave, doesn't matter. So what happens is Satan, Satan knows it's going to be aggravating to people. Satan knows if he, whatever he does, and he gets people to act in their flesh, it's going to be ag aggravating to people. What is the fruit of, of giving into that, that spirit? Okay. It's aggravation. I don't want to hear a single word a woman has to say, because all they say is fill in the blank, right? But this move that God is doing is so massive and unstoppable that any efforts Satan has made are incomparable to whatever God is doing. And that is the case with any move of God. Um, and, uh, and I would even throw in another example would be Gen Z. Okay. Satan is really attacking Gen Z. There's a lot of issues within Gen Z right now. What is the fruit of giving into that spirit that Satan is actively uh, trying to get people to engage in right now? It is Gen Z is lost. All hope is lost. They're unsavable. Let's not even bother, right? That actually is obviously not the case. There are a lot of millions of Gen Z who are so on fire for God and that number is increasing actively. So that's yeah. another example of, of a counterfeit. So all that to say with this right now, like this is, this is the proper spirit, like this right here. And I, I believe that I would even go as far to say that the Me Too movement that happened it was almost 10 years ago now. Um, obviously, Satan grabbed a hold of it and turned it into a witch hunt. But but what God, the freedom that God brought to many women as a result of what God did through that. I'm not saying that the Me Too movement at large was was God's will. Okay, so don't I don't want anybody to write me and be upset. Okay. Right. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying there was something that God did that Satan latched onto and said, ah, I can use this all, you know, and then I'm overpopulating it. But there was great healing that came from p many people that I personally know in through that whole season that we were in collectively in society that opened the door for them to be able to use now. Maybe that's a controversial opinion. I don't really care um, because I know the, the I'm, I I have these testimonies inside me of these women that have told me these things. So, you know. No, it's so true. I mean, it did because it gave us permission to tell our stories. Right. Because that was the biggest thing is like, you know, yes, it can. It, it was twisted and some people took it to yeah. the next oh, level absolutely. because of bitterness yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for many of us who were raised by the previous generation where you didn't talk about those things, they were not equipped to handle that kind of trauma. Mm -hmm. Right. Like definitely not in the church. No, and not right. in the church. You know what I mean? And so all these things were hidden. And then, I mean, I know for me just to be able to come out and say, yeah, I went through this and it really affected me, um, was so freeing. And, um, so the meats, even that it, it did have, you just have to, yes. But when you were talking, Jeff, I actually saw something, um, that I've never seen before. The Holy spirit started showing me, um, that 
the the situation right now with the way that, that this trans movement is trying to erase women, right? Yeah. It's what they don't realize is that they needed a mother. And because they were not comforted by a mother, because we're talking about the generation of like the latchkey kids, right? The generation of fatherlessness that is like out the wazoo. We, there has never been a worse issue of fatherlessness in this nation as there is right now. Almost 64% of our homes are fatherless homes now. And that puts the primary burden of financial responsibility and the responsibility of the home on the mother, which means when dad leaves, mom leaves the house, right? And so these kids are being raised, they're either raising themselves, they're being raised by daycares or raised by people who aren't safe and they're alone and they're neglected. Mom is worn out. She's tired beyond belief. She has no more emotional capacity to extend. And she herself doesn't have a comforter, right? Mm -hmm. She's got no room. She's living on cortisol and anxiety, trying to just make ends meet. And so how can she properly comfort and care for her kids if she doesn't even have what is, you know, what is needed to care for herself, right? And so these kids are being raised without an emotionally available mother to comfort them, not realizing that that is really what these need, what they need. These boys, one, they're being raised by a mom and they admire their mom for everything they did. Oftentimes there was abuse that happened to them at a young age that caused them to with the one male figure that they might have looked up to, right? Or felt like they got any attention from because dad's not out of the or dad's not in the picture. And then it sets the stage for everything that we're seeing now. And I just saw the Lord say that there is actually that God is even going to redeem that. Who I feel the Holy Ghost strong that the the women that these you know, these trans people like are, it's like they're trying to erase the the woman's voice. Really what's going to happen is these women are going to rise up as mothers to love and disciple and to share the father's heart with many of these people coming out of that community mm -hmm. and to disciple them and um, to point them to the father. And then I, I see a, a rise of um, fathers in the church coming on the scene. And, and I actually am seeing right now, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing men in the church, even like you, Jeff, one of the things I love so much about you is your vulnerability, right? Your, your vulnerability to everybody. You are just real. You can't not be real, but I see this, this realness happening with the father in, um, in Christian men, um, that are going to be leaders you know, maybe they don't even realize they're leaders, but they're going to be influencers because they're going to, they influence and they disciple the people around them by doing life with them. But I see encounters with the father's heart and in a, a rootedness and an understanding of identity in Christ as being sons of God, that's going to begin to compel these guys to have a heart for, for those that are carrying an orphan spirit. And then I see them 
people coming out of Alpha Z and, and you know, the trans movement or whatever, and they're going to be fathered. So I, I see the Lord saying like he's going to put the lonely in families and um, give the orphans a home and um, that we're going to see a massive outbreak. I, I mean, and this is actually I feel the Lord saying it's actually contingent on whether or not we'll gather together and pray. It's contingent on whether we will choose unity and we will be intentional about gathering together in intercession. Um, and if we will, this is what we're going to see. We're going to see a massive move of kingdom family come on the scene. And, and it really is going to compel the lost. That that's all they're looking for. They're really just looking for a place to belong. They're looking for a place mm -hmm. where they can be accepted and they yeah. can be loved where they're at. Right. And, and as we do that and we give them a place um, at the table and love them into everything that God says they are, we're going to see a massive shift and massive change um, come. And, and it's, it's really going to be a move. It's going to be a revival that is going to lead to reformation. And it's going to be, it's going to be historical. Like this thing that God wants to release is a historical move of reconciliation um, but we've got to choose unity and we've got to begin to pray, um, to begin to take down principalities over regions and, and shift atmosphere. Mm. Amen. Airy. Hi. Hey man. <laughs> I, well, yeah. Krista, um, why don't you, uh, cause there's, uh, some people that are right on the, the cusp of being released out into Anywhere like the course. front lines of a lot Thank of stuff, specifically women, like we talked okay. about. Uh, but I would love for you to pray for, uh, for that and then whatever else you feel led to pray for. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. Yeah, for the women. Also, if this word is stirring you, I want to encourage you to come to the Arise Kingdom Summit in August. It's on my website, Um, This is going to be the first one where we have whole families and we're getting words about the tra trajectory of families being shifted um, in historical ways um, over this, this event that we're having. Um, we started with the Arise Women's Movement um, to call and to activate women to, to take their mountain of cultural influence. And, and this time we're calling men and women and we're calling ch children too. Cause I, I believe that God is, is releasing a massive youth revival. I'm not the only one that God has shown this to, but God is really giving me a heart for the youth in this hour. Um, because they're going to be like the, the sparks as my dog spark goes off of revival in this next move. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to pray. And it's free, too, by the way. Oh, we love free. Don't you love free? Yeah. Just get there, man. Just get there. Um, thank you guys for posting that in the comments. Um, and if you guys want to learn how to pray, my mentorship group, we have three 
prayer watches, groups that pray. We're and actually we're getting ready to the this week. We're going to do um, deliverance. I'm teaching everybody a deliverance model, and then um, the next following weeks, we're we're going to be teaching people how to wage war in the spirit through intercession to tear down principalities and shift atmospheres to open up regions for the gospel. Um, so. Yeah. So God, I just thank you so much for your heart for this generation, God. God, what an honor it is to just be, to be one with you, Jesus, first and foremost, that you invited us into your family, that we are a part of your family. And in this family, God, there's no competition. There's no vying. There's no sibling rivalry and there shouldn't be, there really shouldn't be. Um, so, Father, I just pray right now that you would, um, whew, that you would release your fire right now to judge yeah. any area of our heart that is in competition or in mm. division or in strife with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. God, I pray for a revelation that comes from that John 17 prayer that you prayed for us, the last thing that you prayed for us before you went to a cross, that you, the cross that you desired that we would be unified. Whew. And Father, I just pray right now for the women that have felt like their, their voice has been muffled. And I, I speak specifically to the trauma of that. I feel a trauma that, that even there are some women you're watching and you're listening and, and when, um, it feels like a man is trying to, um, maybe step on your toes or is challenging you, or you feel like, um, there's no room for you to speak that the Lord is, is wanting to touch that thing. And he's wanting to heal that. And he's wanting to get rid of that trauma there in the pit of your stomach. You're, you can feel it in the pit of your stomach. Um, wow. Yeah. A need to defend yourself or to be right um, or to prove that you're anointed. You don't need to do any of that. God says that he will exalt and he will, he will promote you in due time as you humble yourself before him. Okay. God will be your defender. And so right now in Jesus name, I just speak to trauma that has come through authority figure wounds mm -hmm. or come through leadership wounds. And I command it to shrivel up and die right now in Jesus name, yeah. all spirits associated with that. I command you to go to the pit, yeah. go to the outer darkness right now in Jesus name and Holy spirit. I just ask for you, your fire to fall on, on individuals listening to this. And I ask that you would begin to stir in our spirit a holy boldness, God, that you would break the shackles of shame that um, have muzzled us into silence. Um, whew, thank you, Father. God, and I, I thank you that the women's vo voices are coming forth in this in this hour. God, we call forth the watchmen to take their places on the tower. God, we call forth the remnant runners, this Paul Revere um, remnant that are going to go into the highways and the byways and are going to 
proclaim the good news of the kingdom, that are going to proclaim the message of the blood of Jesus, mm -hmm. that the Lamb of God might that was slain might receive the reward of his sufferings. Um, and Father, I call forth, I just feel the Lord saying to call forth the men in this hour mm -hmm. to be mighty men of valor, to be the Boaz. You know, Boaz, he he took in Ruth and then supported her, right? Like he supported her. He he gave her, uh, allowed her to glean from his fields, gave her a home until he covered her and he married her. And, and men, there are Ruths out there gleaning in the fields that don't have proper spiritual covering. And I, I just feel to call forth the Boaz is to be a covering to these women, to these widows, to these single mothers that are called to the front lines of ministry. Um, wow. Boaz ended up being in the lineage of Jesus himself, guys. Wow. And, and I, I call forth the, the, the Baraks, the warriors to come forth and to stand next to the Deborahs. To call forth the Mordecais, I'm calling forth the Mordecais to even challenge the Esthers to go and meet with the king, to challenge them, to call their, their identity forth and to remind them that, hey, their season is now and not to miss it because of fear. Some of you guys are husbands that are supposed to be telling your wives, you see the gift of ministry in your wife. You see your wife carrying an assignment to prophetic intercession or carrying an assignment to preach the gospel or carrying an assignment to launch a business or carrying an assignment, some kingdom assignment, some ministry given by God. You see the seed in it, yet you've been um, complacent and, and even lackadaisical about calling her forth to do it because you know it's going to cost you something. And the Lord is, is saying, hey, Mordecai, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up and to call that thing forth out of the Esther right now. It, it's time to, to speak into her life. It's time to challenge her to be everything that God called her to be. And as you do that, you are going to fulfill your calling and your destiny. So yeah, so Father, we thank you for that. And God, we just, um, we thank you that the hour is critical. God, I call forth the intercessors in this hour, Father, and I pray for a burden to fall on your body, to partner in intercession, even if it's once or it's twice a week, even if it's just with one other person to begin to pray for their regions and that God, we would see radical, radical, radical answer, answers to prayer, that we would see radical moves of God happen that we would see news headlines changed and shifted because we simply said yes and, and, and met once or twice a week with one other person to pray and release your heart over regions. And so, God, we call them forth and we say thank you. Uh, we give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise. And Father, um, I break off confusion right now. Something's happening in my head. I feel like there's been this assignment against head. So if you've been having headaches, migraine headaches, if you have a head injury, um, if you have whiplash, um, if you've had blunt force trauma to your head um, and it's affected your cognitive function or whatever it is, God's healing your head right now. Um, 
So as a, as a sign or some of you guys are even going to feel the anointing on your head, you're going to feel oil or heat or even like a crown coming on your head. That is the mm. Lord commissioning, commissioning you and he's healing you right now. Wow. Thank you, Father, in Jesus name. Mm. What do you got, Jeff? Um, I don't know yet. I have something, but it's still percolating. So, all right. Yeah. Father, we thank you, God. We just, um, I just thank you for Jeff. Jeff is a Mordecai to this generation. He is a champion for women's voices in this hour. Um, wow. Thank you, father. It's so funny, Jeff. I just keep seeing Marvel superheroes and that, you know, that's the thing. Like if, if you are a Marvel superhero, I don't know. I keep seeing you as like Captain America for some reason right now, even though I know that generally you're Superman, but right I mean, now Captain America is cool. I like Captain America. I really do see you as like Captain America. And I see that, you know, God has, given you this heart to be a, somebody, a man of integrity and, and truth and justice. I mean, Captain America is like like impeccably honest and, and is a tower of integrity. Um, and I see that that's really, that's the heart that you carry, but he worked with women and I keep seeing like the one woman that he was in love with. Right. And she was like a spy, but there's this, this thing that you do, Jeff, that when you call women forth and when you champion women's voices, that, um, you're calling other women to be heroes in the faith, even as you're a hero in the faith, you know? And it's amazing that like you have this platform and like you're giving other people, an opportunity or you're giving a lot of female voices and ministries the opportunity to speak and you just don't even realize how how many women on the other side of heaven are going to come up to you and are going to thank you because they're going to say Jeff when you you gave me permission to be everything God mm-hmm. called me to be or you challenged me um or you stirred in me or you discipled this thing in me And so I really just, I see you as like a Captain America, but I I also just see that it's really like this Mordecai mandate that's on your life. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, so to that, there's a scene that has been running through my brain, like this whole episode and it's from Justice League. So Justice League is DC. It's not Marvel. So it's Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, all those people. But Wonder Woman comes from an island called Themyscira, which is all these just awesome like warrior women and uh hardcore super strength and speed and all this stuff and the baddie of the movie who comes down he looks like a demon he's got like these horns and he has this army of parademons and they feed on fear that's their whole thing Mm. and so he shows up and he's he's like i'm just gonna get rid of these people they're gonna be like nothing and uh and he tells him he says i will bathe in your fear and then the queen she goes themiscira she says, show him your fear. And then all the women yell, we have no fear. And then they like all fight him and like give him, give him a real rough time. But that scene has kept coming through my, because when they all yell, we have no fear. Like you get chills when you hear it. You're like, whoa. Um, I literally just got chills. Too. Yeah. And so um, I think 
the other thing that I, I was, I was just like, Oh Lord, like, please help me. Cause sometimes I, um, I can get kind of passionate and intense. Uh, and, uh, as people have noticed, uh, throughout watching me on this show or listening to me, but something that I get very, very passionate about is specifically this whole being a stick in the mud and being locked in on women can't yada yada because the bible says yada yada and i will quote this verse out of context ad nauseum so that women are beaten into submission and um disregarding so many people i mean deborah for crying out loud was a leader of israel like come on and um and it was never there's this misconception where it's like okay, well, God's going to raise up women. And then once men raise up, he's going to curb women. Dude, what? No, no, he's not. And I'm like, honestly, I'm just like, guys, like man up, like be a good husband to your, to your wife for crying. Tell her she's beautiful. Okay. I'm going to give you guys a pro tip. All right. I'm going to give you guys a pro tip guys. All right. And I've given this advice to several men and some of them adhere to it. Some of them don't. You want to know a very easy, this is easy. All right. An easy way to woo your wife. Start listening to things she talks about. Yes. Listen and bust out your phone. There's a little notepad thing here. Oh, Superman. Um, uh, there's a little notepad. All right. Listen to what she says she likes. Make a list of it snap a picture you guys are at a store and she's like oh my gosh this bag oh oh no i won't buy it okay memorize where it is all right look at the name of the store memorize where it is look at the name of the store memorize where it is walk away pretend like you have to go to the bathroom go back there snap a picture of it all right get the barcode get all those things go online buy the bag give it to her on her birthday or christmas or anniversary also guys write down your anniversary if you're married write down don't be the one that forgets the anniversary all right man i got a lot to say about this stuff uh, because it's not that hard yeah it may take some effort to like get in the habit of taking out your you guys are watching tv oh my gosh i love that thingamajig you know and then you're like okay write down thingamajig getting in the habit of doing that but eventually it just becomes second nature so that's like a pro tip guys if you want to like revive your marriage you want to revive your relationship with your wife and all and also like i don't know like champion her in different ways start paying attention start looking at her gifting start and i'm not i'm not making this a blanket statement to all men i know there's a lot of great men who watch the show her great husbands but i'm just really like i i, I man, just, i have like you're getting all i just like opened the fire hose there's like a lot i have to say but um I, you want to be a speaker at the summit? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. The, I'm not going to make the decision right here. Okay. Don't make it right here, but I'm, I'm going to open the invitation because one, I would just love to see you guys. And two, uh, I think that it would be a great message. You're a great teacher. You're a great preacher. So. Well, thanks. Okay. Well, like I have... everyone in the comments is like, yes, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be uh, able to show everybody, look how tall he is. Yes, I'm very tall. He is very That's tall. like the number one. Your of camera the is finally doing you justice. By one the way. of the number one things that 
people when we were in Israel, people were like, you are a lot taller than I thought you were um, and bigger, you know? And so it's like, I'm tall and big. I'm just me and Michael, both yeah. Michael works on the show too. He and I both are just large people. <laughs> so. I know my head like fits in your armpit. Well, yeah, we don't, I don't put your head in my armpit. No, not in situation, but... <laughs> Hey, hey, so, my little friend. Yeah. All right. Well, um, okay. I mean, obviously that we could, I still have a lot to say about women in leadership, man. I'm just so sick and tired of don't let you have permission. Steve feels the same way. You have permission. Um, and, and, and because heaven has ordained you like that's, that's, the, that's it. And um, I just think like the people that are so locked in on, look, there is a place that men have in leadership, but it's not mutually, it's not, it's not exclusive to just men. And I think that, um, I think that there's this fear, um, it offends the flesh. And that's the important thing is like, man, offense of like, um, the other thing that I wanted to say really quick, sorry. Um, because when you were praying about uh, women feeling like they don't, they can't get a word in edgewise is to really analyze your hearts too. And I say this with, with all humility is to analyze your hearts because I have observed, like, for instance, with me, I'm insanely passionate and I just talk. And I, I was just on the phone with another guy and he's also the same way. And we were constantly talking over each other and we were just, cause we were just passionate and excited. And for me, I, and I know a lot of other people are the same way, men and women, where they're not trying to talk over people. They're just in the moment and they're excited and they're passionate. And I've seen some people get triggered because of past trauma and they see that and they're like, this man, this, this guy has not necessarily to me, not directed at me, but just I've observed this of like, he won't let me talk because he's a chauvinist or whatever. I'm like, no, he's just passionate. And it's not that you're because you're a woman that he's doing it. He's just passionate. And I think that there's, there are plenty of other women that do the same thing. I have friends who are the same way, you know? So um, I think just with everything that comes our way, it's important to take it as an isolated thing and take it before the Lord and allow him to analyze your heart. Especially if you feel yourself offended by something, ask God why. And if it is something that's a legitimate concern that needs to be brought up, absolutely bring it up, you know? Um, cause I do not condone men putting women down. I do not condone women putting men down. Um, Amen. that has no place in the kingdom. So, nope. um, it's yeah. when we come together that we create the fullness of who God is. Mm -hmm. Cause he said, man, man and woman, he created them in his own image. And so when we work together, we create the fullness, right? And when we're, we're because, okay, women are, there's so much there. I'm not going to go into that. But one thing that I was feeling specifically to, to share about was that a lot of times when these feelings that we don't have a voice or that we're not important or that we're being rejected or that, you know, whatever it is, um, or that we're not good enough or any of these things or comparison you know, competition, jealousy, all of these things that cause us to separate from one another. Um, we have to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that especially in a um, environment with other believers, this is what I've learned, that 
the enemy or the principality that is over that region is going to begin to minister lies to you. Even things that you have got free from. Primary example, like I have been totally radically set free from the spirit of rejection and abandonment. Like those being loved by God and his presence being with me all the time. Like I don't have to fight to get in his presence. I am always anointed because he's with me all the time. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. All I have to do I don't have to run and and be in a certain place doing a certain thing in a certain posture to have an encounter with God. I can have an encounter with God doing my dishes because he's one with me, right? Mm -hmm. Like those are foundational parts of my faith, right? Yet I have found myself in, in um, situations where God's getting, he's moving there. It's like at a conference or I'm working with other leaders that maybe I might not know so well. And all of a sudden I start having thoughts that invoke feelings of rejection. Thoughts that invoke feelings like I may have offended the leadership, you know, or like this person doesn't like me or doesn't approve of me or I've offended them or or whatever, um, or I will have thoughts or feelings where like one little thing that somebody did is hyper magnified and all of a sudden it catches me trying to get an offense. Mm-hmm. Whenever those things come, we have to be aware that it is the enemy, <laughs> yeah. that it is, a, it is a regional principality that is trying to project his thoughts, his feelings, his desires into you to cause division and cause separation because he is terrified of our unity. He's terrified of our unity. You know, when the Tower of Babel happened, right? Like they were, people were building a tower to reach God and God came down. And I actually think that he kind of laughed about it. Like, I don't think that he was angry. I think he was laughing like, oh my gosh, look at him. They're all working together. Like nothing is going to be impossible for these guys. What are we going to do? Oh, we got to, we got to change their languages so that they'll actually scatter out and subdue the earth. Otherwise it's all going to be crazy and wild. And then, you know, it's, everyone's going to be inbred. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> we got to get them out of here. So like, I think he was laughing about it. Like, wow, look at them, how they're doing this. Like a proud Papa would. So mm-hmm. he changed their languages. So they spread out, but he said, but God himself said, nothing shall be impossible for them. Because these people all gathered together and made a decision that they were going to build a tower to make a name for themselves. You know what I mean? So like the enemy knows what our potential is when we unify and join forces. And so he would rather a bunch of people in the body of Christ who are all called to join forces separate and compete with one another and have, you know, and I see it even in my women's movement, you know what I mean? Like we've got Jenny Weaver and then we've got Jenny Donnelly and we got Jesse Green and we have Jennifer Martin and you know what I mean? Like all these different profound women in the body of Christ that are leading movements right now on an, mm-hmm. on a national international level, myself included. And I'll be on Facebook and I'll see something from Jenny Weaver and I'll hear that stupid little devil like trying to get me in comparison. And yeah, I'm comparison like, comparison is so dumb, there is but no it's, comparison. It's, 
Yeah. Jenny Weaver has her own story and she's having her own impact in everything that God is doing in her ministry. It's God. Mm -hmm. It's not manufactured by Jenny. The anointing is on it and vice versa. And so I will start blessing them. I'll start praying for them. I will start making decrees about how I'm a one of a kind and that I thank God that he only gives me what I can handle, that he's given me the, the sphere of influence that I'm called to because there are, are people in my sphere that can only be reached by my voice and will be impacted by my ministry personally. And that's enough for me. And, you know, I've even been like sharing things and like from Jenny Donnelly, cause she's, I believe that Jenny Donnelly and the, her voice movement, the Lord told me that there was going to be a million women gather on the national mall um, to cry out in repentance for the division that have, that has happened between women and to cry out for um and and to unify to radically like impact the culture right call for reformation but to call the women to unity um and the lord told me he said jenny donnelly is anointed to rally the women to to the to the national mall and i was like whoa you know and then like there's no competition there that there's like wow if she's graced to do that then how, god how can i get behind her cuz i know i'm supposed to be there cuz you showed me that that vision years ago right yeah and so we have to honor where God has anointed people and what God has anointed people to do in, in their own demographic and in their own lane and let that be enough. And then thank God for where we're called and, and uh, challenge others to step into their lanes and run together so that we can yeah. change this thing. But don't yeah. listen to the devil. Don't listen to the enemy and notice when he's coming in to try to speak to you. It'll always be when God's getting ready to move and you know it. You know, like this is a yeah. profound thing. This is a God is moving in this atmosphere. Um, this is where I'm called to be. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. And all of a sudden you feel like you don't belong. You're an mm -hmm. orphan. You've got no voice. You're not important. You're being rejected or somebody's offended you or whatever. That's the devil, man. Pay attention to it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Amen. Amen, Amen. to that. I'm um, off my now. Krista, obviously people can go to KristaElisha.com. That's a pretty fun playground. There's all kinds of cool stuff. But how, how can people follow you? Is there any exciting events happening soon? Give people the details. Yes. So um, Cincinnati uh, Banners for Freedom is coming. They're doing like a, a Banners for Freedom revolution tour thing. And they're going to be meeting with us in Oxford Uptown Park. Um, that is on my Facebook page, or you might want to go to bannersforfreedom.com and, and get all that information, but it's going to be over the 4th of July next week. And so that'll be fun. Um, July 7th and 8th, I'm going to be in Tennessee at the Abbey Farm for um, my event. It's just, it's a revival. God told me to call it the Real Love Revolution Revival. And um, seating is extremely limited. Uh, and I I made the mistake of not having registration. So 300 people max and um, first come, first serve. So 
but we want, want to encourage you if you feel called to be there to come. Um, then I have a conference in Columbus, Ohio, the Fullness Conference. Uh, that is also going to be, that's going to be in August. And then uh, the Arise Kingdom Summit is going to be in Minnesota, uh, August 10th through the 14th. And we have men and women that are going to be speaking at this one. We've got um, a, a man who's called to, you know, the ministry. He's a prophet and a, a, a shepherd. We also have an incredible man who uh, he owns a, a business, a construction company, who's going to be speaking. And he's going to be calling the blue collar workers, um, the men, to um, know that their job is actually a mission field and that it's not to relegate this guy operates in signs and wonders and has a gift with word words of knowledge. Then we have Harmony Klingenmeyer, Genevieve yeah, Skidmore. Yeah. Yes, my ladies. Um, so, and myself, and then it would be really awesome if Jeff would Don't come put that out there. and be a speaker too. I mean, he might not be, but you know, maybe if the Holy spirit really <laughs> speaks to him about it, he might. Oh my gosh. Okay, Krista, thank you. All right. All right. Uh, we'll let it be a surprise. Look, yeah, he's bluffing, hey, guys. Uh, let him come moving. rebuke everybody. I would not do that. Move no, while unless the Lord was like, go ahead and rebuke everybody. I'm like, man. Um, all right. Uh Krista, thank you for all of this. This fab fabulous. Um, very good conversation and prophecy and very stirring to everybody i know um thank you thank you so much for yeah, having me on absolutely everybody tomorrow we're back at it 2 p.m pacific time 5 p.m eastern time we conclude our power of prayer teaching series part three of three with christina baker which has been really good very foundational um and just living a lifestyle of prayer for those of you who've haven't watched the other ones. She has over 1 million followers on TikTok, and all she does, not all she does, but she does prayer. That's what she does. She prays for 60 seconds. Hey, wait, let me pray for you. And people stop. And she has over a million followers on TikTok. God has massively blessed her as she's embarked on this lifestyle of prayer. Uh, so it's been super good. And it's been great to glean from her um, and be encouraged. Uh, so tune in tomorrow, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time with uh with i almost said krista elisha with christina <laughs> baker part three of three of our teaching series at power of prayer it's absolutely dynamite you don't want to miss it so tune in then we love you guys love we'll you. see you tomorrow okay bye this has been elijah fire thanks for listening for more episodes like this you can check out the elijah fire podcast on elijahfire.com on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts you can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.